No matter in life what you try to do, you're dead too. Hello, and welcome to You're Dead Too, the podcast about our shared inevitable demise. I'm your host, John Toyson, and this week joining me on the program, I have my good friend Austin Alexander. Austin is somebody who I've wanted to get on since I had the idea to talk about this kind of subject matter. He is uh, another Minnesota native who is also a new dad, so you can kind of hear some of that recent, like, complete paradigm shift in some of what he says, but really he's somebody who is, I just, I just find him so endearing and so fascinating, and I can always, whenever I see him at any kind of get-together or, like, social event, I just I want to ask him a question and set him rolling to talk about something, and this podcast is no exception. I've got friends who uh, are very aware of how energetic and amped up he can get and how excited he gets about an idea and just wants to chew on it like a dog with a bone, and that's exactly why I wanted to have him on. He's so fun to have just, why do you think that is, and just let him go, and so this is hopefully as fun for everybody else as it is for me. He's also somebody who... He actually lost his father at a pretty early age, and it was understandably a a huge uh, demarcation point in his life where there was everything before and everything after, and I just wanted to be mindful and respectful of that while I talked to him about it so you can hear I kind of uh, work my way up to it for about 40 minutes and finally broach the subject with him, and it's real uh, careful stepping on my part to make sure that I'm not being disrespectful or saying the wrong thing, but just I really wanted to be... Uh, respectful and open to hearing what he had to say because I know that it's a very personal matter that he was really uh, kind enough to share. So it was just really, really awesome to get to talk to him about it one-to-one and hear what he had to say because really his dad is an interesting guy too who did a lot of good for the community and his uh, Austin sharing of what his dad had done to kind of uh, do some redemption work for the Minnesota community was amazing to hear, frankly. I had stuff that I had kind of gotten glimpses of but had never heard before, so it was really cool that he shared it. Um, also, just a lot of good insight about uh, his take on life and being your best self and how you deal with others, and uh, I think a real key indicator of how good or um, benevolent a person can be is if they're kind to you and they're kind to uh, people in the service industry. Austin, somebody who definitely he wants to make friends wherever he goes, and hopefully that comes through as well. If anybody listening has any comments, concerns, feedback, anything you want to hear, I would love to hear it. Just let me know. Reach out at yourdead2 at gmail.com or find me on Twitter or Instagram at yourdead2. I'd love to have an opportunity to share people's thoughts, their feedback. Some people have sent me some very cool articles. Uh, Recently, my Uncle Dave in Canada sent me an article about uh, a bishop who was clarifying people's interpretation of heaven. And how it's not what we at all assume from the Christian perspective that actually Canute had talked about on one of his recent episodes. So that was kind of a nice example of kismet of, oh, here's somebody talking about this. Here's somebody else listening who sent me this article. Like, this is very uh, – it's hitting on a zeitgeist, I think, in a good way that, that we're – we're all kind of starting to chew on these ideas. So again, if you've got any feedback, if you'd like to hear anything, or if there's uh, anybody you'd recommend for a guest, please let me know. I'm available. I'm open to uh, whatever feedback you've got. You're dead to at Gmail. Uh, You're dead to on Twitter and Instagram. Otherwise, I'll just get right to it. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, have a great, fantastic time listening. And uh, we'll see you next week. Okay, so we're rolling. So, 
with me today, I have Austin Alexander. Austin, say hi. Hi. How are you? Great. Thank you for coming here. You are a new father. You've got plenty on your plate. Uh, I will keep this as on track as I can for you. So (laughs) thank you for being here. Oh, yeah. Happy to be here, man. Uh, So if you wouldn't mind, uh, tell the people a bit about yourself. Who's Austin? Like, did you grow up here? Uh, I I did, yeah. I grew up in Hopkins, Minnesota. Um, Yep, lived in Minnesota my entire life. Uh, Yeah, I'm married to my wife, Carly, uh, and we just had a son, Cashel, uh, in March. And so, uh, yeah, just... Things are uh, things are going great, but yeah, just some some big changes and uh, and yeah, yeah. Your wife I, was previous guest and lots of fun to talk to, but it was kind of an awkward thing to dance around of like, okay, she's very pregnant, so like, let's just make sure everything right. happens just <laughs> fine. I didn't want to talk too much about it, and then he arrives, everything is good. We right. had some time for you to adjust to being a new dad, and then. I'll bring you in and subject you to all the questions. Right. <laughs> cool. Well, again, no, thank was, you for being here, man. Yeah. So what what is your daily life kind of look like? What do you do you want to talk a bit about like what you do for a living? Yeah, I I work in logistics, so um you know, moving freight and yeah, you know, I'm in an operational role, so you know, it's a lot of a lot of numbers, uh, you know, a lot of planning, a lot of, you know, attention to detail, organization kind of stuff, which I didn't uh, definitely see myself uh, necessarily doing when I was younger and, 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 you know, doing well at. But, yeah, it's something I really enjoy. And, um, I mean, I, I think it, it helps that I do something, you know, really different from what my wife does. And, and it kind of creates, you know, ability to have a little more dialogue about, you know, how is your day isn't so predictable for either of us. I, I don't, uh, I don't pretend to, uh, fully understand what, uh, she does every day cause she's much smarter <laughs> than I am. Yeah. But, uh, but I also know that there's, uh, you know, aspects of what I do that, you know, are important and, and everything too. And, uh, and try to express that as well. So no, you are somebody who just telling me about your job previous times that we've hung out, I get stressed out hearing about it. Just <laughs> the idea of coordinating and planning and the resources and like, oh God, it sounds so stressful. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, I mean, it's unique because there's a lot of moving parts that are, that are technology, but it's also like a really people driven thing being that there are, you know, at this time still just people driving trucks and everything like that. Um, you know, our, uh, you know, what I experience on a day-to-day basis is like, you know, is very different because you'll be moving, you know, food and, you know, that for if, you know, it's going to a rural area in Minnesota or something like that for, you know, Hormel or something like that, uh, it's, you know, likely that if something like that's late, nobody's going to starve, but you're talking about like going to a grocery store and not seeing us like, you know, an entire you know, pork at, at the grocery store that day. And that's, uh, that would be pretty surprising, I think, to people in, in larger cities and, and things like that, that, you know, they expect, you know, your expectation is that when you go to the, go to the store, they're fully stocked and things like that. And I think that. And there's expectations there's, about that too. Like yeah. you, well, certainly here in Minnesota with bad weather, if we get a bad storm coming, we always have that run on bread and oh, milk. Yep. So yeah. people will freak out and it's like a yeah. portent of bad like an omen of like, oh my God, there's no meat on the shelf. What are we going to do? Like, Well, right. And and a lot of times too, it's, you know, 
we, you know, obviously there's like an overabundance probably, you know, issue in, in our country compared to if you go to other countries, you know, there isn't, you know, 60 of every item on a shelf and yeah. like a full, like, you know, they're, they're not like in warehouse style, you know, shopping and stuff like that. So it's very different. But, um, I mean, I think that, you know, one of the, that's kind of one of the unique things about, you know, what I do is it's, I mean, I mean, you then then you look at okay so it's food but then also let's say you're moving you know light poles or um you know power boxes that get taken out in a you know storm in oklahoma or in texas or something like that um well now again you're talking about like people who are used to having a vital resource of power and now not having it and you know there's probably people around the world who would be like yeah sometimes we don't have power for weeks on end and it's like not a big deal and then you know here it you know it becomes like, you know, for us, all that kind of stuff gets expedited and escalated and everything like that because, you know, people have an expectation that their power will be on whenever they flick their light switch, yeah. and, which is insane to think about. And, and we should be able to have that. Like the technology is available to, you know, have resources to be able to do that. So I, I don't think that's a crazy expectation, but I, th- I do think sometimes... Um, you know, people kind of take some of that stuff for granted. And yeah, I don't know. It's unique too, because it's like, you know, both of those things are important, you know, like you're talking about food, you're talking about power, you're talking about, you know, if you're somebody who, you know, moves tires or something like that, like, you know, people need tires on their cars that are safe. It's, it's kind of insane, but you know, and then all of those things are important to the players in those, you know, worlds. And that's kind of the most important thing to them. And so you kind of have to take that into consideration too, is, you know, while I might rank, you know, power or something, you know, more important than clothes getting someplace, um, you know, some someone might not. I don't know. But well, I would hope they would all pick power. But but that's why, I mean, that right there is one of the reasons I wanted to have you on to talk about the stuff we're going to talk about. Because you can hear it in those little twists of phrases where you're like, they expect to turn the light switch on and have power, which is crazy. Like. Yes, that is very crazy that people just take for granted this little piece of plastic that if you just go, that there is light coming out of the ceiling. Like, it's the joke on Family Guy of, when we saw this at the World's Fair in 1910, we all pooped our pants. Like, this is nuts. This is crazy. And it's, it's a, honestly, it's a good reminder of my weird, creepy basement here to have exposed wires and stuff because it reminds me of, like, there's no magic to this. It's all based on a system that, like, oh, yeah. owning a house is not a magic trick. It's just like, all right, so the light comes from the power, which comes from over there, and, like, I can trace the internet back there. Like, yeah. you live in a world of logistics and hard and fast rules. You don't necessarily consider yourself somebody who's a natural fit for that, but that's kind of, like the stink that people can put on you as a kid. I always thought I wasn't organized because I was a kid, you know? And then I got older and got into some careers where I needed to be meticulously organized, and people were like, you are super detail-oriented. And I thought, no, I'm not. I'm not at all. But that's that's that role that you think you're playing from childhood. So, like, do you think back to who you were as a kid and to who you are now? Do you feel it's a pretty linear line of that? Or do you feel like you've been kind of learning and growing and changing as a person your whole life? Um, I mean, I would say, you know, pieces, you know, from of that are in, you know, each bucket, I think, you know, I mean, I think there's definitely pieces that, you know, I'm glad I was able to, like, you know, leave in the past. And then there's things that you, you know, like, that you learn that you're actually really good at as you, you know, as you get older. I think that's, you know, I always, I, I grew up where I, you know, was encouraged to pursue whatever I wanted. I wasn't, you know, pushed into a specific direction or anything like that. So that was, you know, both, I think, 
a you know blessing and a curse sort of a, a sort of a thing you know sometimes it's like you know if you have a kid who like your your parents are like you are going to be a doctor or you are going to be this or that you know if you don't end up being that perhaps that's disappointing but at the same time on the other side of the coin like you know by not if you don't necessarily push somebody in in any such direction do you then kind of leave them in stasis also you know yeah. that's i think that's um sometimes i mean i'm not i wouldn't say that's something that my parents necessarily did or didn't do i think that you know they were definitely you know for you know growing up in like a, a you know house that was divorced you know my parents were very committed to like you know a really fantastic co-parenting you know set up and you know didn't want to have the scenario of like dad comes drops you off with your bag and like by the time my mom opens the door he's already like speeding down the road like yeah you know so i mean a little bit of that um i think when i was kind of like a mischievous youth kind of <laughs> kept me from being able to get away from stuff because i couldn't do the standard divorce kid like play both sides against the middle yeah. kind of thing um which uh probably was was for my benefit too but yeah, you don't strike me as somebody who would wish for things to have been different that the way that the deck has been played you are going to make the most of how that has been regardless of like there are some people in my life that I know who are like, oh, if only for this. Like, you don't strike me as that type. Yeah, no, and I, and I, you know, don't I, – I think that I – because I was, you know, involved in a lot of different – you know, a lot of different activities and um, and things like that, I, I think that, you know, because I had a lot of different goals for myself, like, you know, there weren't – I guess I didn't necessarily have moments where I'm like, you know, if that specific thing would have gone better – I would be X. And, mm. you know, a lot of that is like, you know, you have to take risk, though, too. I give people a lot of credit who, if you roll your whole, you know, plan and your, you know, early existence into like, you know, getting into medical school or something like that or getting into, uh, you know, or starting a business or something like that. And I think that, you know, I give people a lot of credit, though, too, who are willing to put like all the chips on the table and, and do that as well. But I think that, you know, that's probably why I'm able to not look, you know, back with any kind of like, you know, regret over, you know, early decisions, I think in a lot of ways is because, you know, I was, you know, able to, you know, move on from things that weren't successful and, uh, you know, really embrace the things that, you know, either I was good at or, you know, friendships that I had or, you know, relationships that I wanted to build and, and things like that and, and focus more on those kind of things and, you know, easily discard the things that I, you know, wasn't going to pursue or, sure. you know, wasn't going to be successful at. So, um, If you don't mind me asking, was the divorce, how old were you when that happened? Jeez, um, you know, it's crazy. I mean, I, I was, I know I was five when we... You know, when I when I remember start like my parents like living like living at different houses. Okay. Specifically, um, gosh, you know, it's like I I don't have like a date like the you know court document date or anything like that kind of yeah. kind of thing. Um, but I mean, I it, it's long enough. It was it was early enough in my life that my like my understanding of the way that my family was is that there was two houses. Yeah. And it was positive in the, in that way. So um, there was no impactful moment of this split is happening. It was right. just kind of no, how yeah, and, and, were and, brought up. It's, it, this is how it is. Exactly. And and I, um, you know, it was very much a, you know, predictable, you know, 
with my dad on the weekends with my mom for school and stuff during the week. That was, you know, and I'm sure a lot of people have the same kind of experience or had the same kind of arrangement, but, um, you know, my mom, you know, remarried, my dad didn't. Um, so, I mean, that was, you know, probably the bigger, you know, like the bigger change that I experienced because I was older when that happened. But, Mm. um, you know, I think that, you know, again, my parents were committed to like, you know, everybody would go to all my, you know, activities or sports games and stuff like that. So I think that, you know, they did, you know, to my parents, credit, like they did a really good job of making sure that they didn't, you know, use those kind of events and activities as, you know, ways to get back at each other or, you know, and I think a lot of times, um, you know, I think, you know, the, the, you know, my parents getting divorced was very much, you know, was a hundred percent on my dad, you know, not, uh, you know, not being a very good husband. Um, it had probably not nothing to do with, you know, how, how he was as a, as a dad. Um, well, no, yeah, those are very, but, diff- very distinct things. Yeah. And I think that that's, you know, what a lot of times maybe people forget when they do go through, you know, divorces and, you know, thankfully I haven't and won't and all that kind of stuff. You know, I, you know, love my wife and, and, you know, I hope that I'm a good husband, but I try, trust that I am. Um, but <laughs> I, uh, but I think that, you know, when I look back at like my dad, I could imagine that he was a really tough guy to be, to be married to. Sure. So, I, you know, and you can you recognize know, you, that with you, enough introspection. Like I recognize that can be a lot to do with at times of like, I get up in my own head of just dealing with stuff. Everybody's marriages work. It's <laughs> people don't just oh, like, yeah. fall in. Yep. Well, some people do, but most people take it seriously enough to think about how they're approaching it and how they're living it out and making sure that they're being a good person. Just seeing the way you and Carly deal with each other, I have no doubt that the two of you bring everything you can to the relationship. And I just, that's why it was so fun to go to your wedding and see like, oh, <laughs> yeah. an official, okay. Oh, yeah. Um, um, were you, between the two houses, were you raised religious at all? Was there, was that like church on Sundays? Was that a thing with your dad at all? Or uh his family uh, was was much more um, was much more involved in and religious, and I think in in a way my mom's was too. They they went to church more than we ever did, mm. um, but you know it, I remember way more as a child than when I was an adolescent, and you know I we used to go to you know Colonial Church in Edina here in Minnesota, and it was yeah. you know it's a beautiful church and you know has a lot of history and you know it was where my parents got married and you know all that kind of stuff and we've had family funerals there and things like that so there was a lot of like you know I, I still really you know respect and like that you know like that church I just um it, it just wasn't you know I, I think the way my I heard my dad explain it one time is he's like you know which I'm sure a lot of people say is you know we're we're you know we're spiritual we're not religious kind of thing and and, right. I, and I think that's you know it's like a, there's a twinge of that that's a little bit of a cop out because you're like kind of trying to be in a world while also not trying to be in it so yeah. it's like you know without having to do any of the work um, but at the, <laughs> yeah, but at the same time um, I mean I think I I agree with that in that you know you know if asked you know gun to my head do I think that there's you know a higher power. I, I, I would have to say that, you know, I, I think that there's got to be some kind of a force that affects things that are outside of necessarily, you know, Newton science and Galileo science. But I think that, you know, most I would say, you know, 90 to the 99 to the 99 percent of things that occur are explainable and not based on, you know, things that are impacted by, you know, higher power and stuff. But I think the thing that I've always appreciated and what 
I think my family always gained from, you know, religious activities and such was like the community aspect of it. And I think that there's a lot to be learned in society, you know, like from religious groups who have been successfully uniting people and making people happy together for thousands of years. Um, You know, there's a lot to be learned from that. And I think that, you know, for, you know, and I think that's where, you know, you know, my family is at, you know, with it, I would, you know, obviously like Carly and I honestly haven't discussed that a ton. Um, you know, we didn't, I don't think we planned to necessarily get cash baptized, but you know, if there was a discussion about it and, you know, we, you know, we're, we're pretty good at compromise. That's unfortunately, that's not something you can really compromise on. You either do it, you don't. Yeah. Um, but I think that, you know, you know, yeah, you know, unfortunately, yeah, you can't really just like have to it. Um, but I, I mean, I think that, Again, you know, that was always something that, you know, I I don't think I missed it because I was involved in activities and teams and, you know, theater and stuff like that where, you know, I didn't miss a community aspect. It's not like that was the only place where I where it could be gotten for me. Mm. Um, But again, I think that, you know, if there's somebody, you know, if people are looking for, you know, a place to belong or something like that, I think that that's, you know, really the, you know, I mean, based on everything that I remember hearing and absorbing from the times that I did go to church, um, you know, there's there shouldn't be a more, you know, a more welcoming people out there. Right. You know, to to even outsiders and such. You in know? theory, so, these are supposed to be open arms. Bring them in. And... Right. Exactly. And I, and I, you know, I always felt that I think there was a little bit, you know, like my dad would always joke that, like, you know, you know, Colonial Church was like, you know, that a really good place, you know, for people to, you know, compare cars and clothing. And it's like, that's, you know, like, you know, and, and like that, that was the activity. And again, you know, like full respect to that institution. I mean, I think it's a fantastic place and does its job really well. I think that, um, but yeah, I mean, I think there's a tinge of truth to that, but I think again, there's a tinge of truth to like, you know, when you establish institutions within your family, like at a certain time every week we go do this and we, get dressed in this manner and we do so out of respect. And I don't think that that, and I don't think that lesson necessarily has to be taught by going to church, but I think that if you install those kind of, in my opinion, but no, you it's, you get that perspective shift so quickly. Like that's some of that responsibility is just innate and in you and you wanting to be there. Like you suddenly get that shift but that's kind of also in just your wiring like it not to downplay it at all when homer and lisa started getting into football together like yeah yeah that's the thing man daddy daughter football day like i honestly i see you and our friends snaps of you know weekly the vikings games and it's just like right on they're back there like this is their thing and like yeah and and, and whatever I, you want to observe on a regular basis that's like that's yeah and, and obviously there's a there's a you know exterior fun that i gain from from you know uh going to vikings games with my friends and everything well, it's community and, too. yeah it's a oh, ritual oh, oh and... absolutely and i think that um you know that again is the you know thing that if you're you know if your family is you know able to you know, and we, we try to do it as a, you know, as a family now, I'm, I'm extremely excited to be able to, you know, share that with my son, which, you know, you know, is a, you know, my love for that team. And, you know, at the same time, I 
you know, see a lot of, you know, dads sometimes at the Vikings games where, you know, the dad is wearing a Vikings jersey and their son is wearing an Odell Beckham Jr. <laughs> jersey because, like, when you're a kid, you like the teams that are that are flashy and that are really good. And, you know, like, I, you know, I mean, I think the Vikings are really good. But, you know, but, like, when I was, <laughs> when I, when I was a kid in the mid-'90s, I mean, I'm not going to lie, I, you know, I had a Dallas Cowboys, you know, starter jacket because, mm-hmm. like, you know, that was the hot team to, to root for. And I think that... There's, you know, an aspect of that, too, that I would be excited if my son decided that he was a golf guy and that he liked to watch golf. Like I would be, you know, I don't golf, but I think that I would be excited. I mean, whatever he wants to be passionate about, I think, is is my that's what I'm excited for is because the things that I'm passionate about, I get really passionate about. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, whatever that is for him, I'm excited to absorb that. Obviously, I'm going to like 100 percent. No lie, try to like push him in those uh, in a direction like you know towards the teams that I like and and the kinds <laughs> of media that I like to consume. Well, you're a deity but, um, in your own child's life. That won't be yeah. an issue to kind of instill the same yeah. kindred likes. <laughs> I there anybody who knows me personally can attest that I am not a huge sports fanatic, but I will very much cop to the fact that when when my daughter was born. I definitely had a major uptick in how much I watch football because I was home with my daughter and just like nurse a beer, watch the game. And having her next to me in her, the, now that have been all recalled, the rock and play thing, um, explaining to her at the end of the game, I said, this is what happens every time we get so close and this is the Viking just snatching defeat out of the jaws <laughs> of victory. And then the Minnesota miracle happens. And I just got up, because my wife was traveling, got right. up just dancing around the living room with this little nine-month-old just like, you Oh yeah, like that memory for me. I don't care about football, but that was so fun to see. Like, well, well, yeah, and and I think that that's you know, you look at like you know your favorite vacation. You know, can you close your eyes and see those you know moments? You know that you experience that, and I, you know, that's definitely one of those you know moments in my life. I can close my eyes and definitely picture watching that live. um, You know, watching the Minneapolis Miracle live, and yeah, I mean. That's that's the kind of passion that sports, you know, brings brings out in people. And I, you know, yeah, I think my that that's... younger brother was there at the game and he sent me a snap of just like you would not believe how loud it is here right now. I cannot imagine <laughs> yeah. what that was like. Yeah, I mean, it was it was crazy. And uh, I mean, I think that, you know, again, like you mentioned, the uh, you know, kind of, you know, ripping uh, victory out of the out of the claws of, of def- <laughs> or ripping defeat out of the claws of victory um that you mentioned I, I mean i think there is like i don't know what it is i think it makes you i think it makes you strong to be a to be a vikings fan because you have to be emotionally uh just as strong as you are physically strong <laughs> to, <laughs> yeah. to, to do that and i think that uh you know i mean as my older brother keeps saying just one super bowl before we die just right. oh yeah super and i mean bowl. i you know i'm uh i hope it's uh more than that uh <laughs> but i would i would take one that'd be i'd be cool with that Righto. So we're about 20 minutes in here. How are you feeling? I'm okay. Feeling good? Yeah, All good. Right. So let's just dive right in, man. What do you think happens when we die? Um, I, I mean, I'm probably more in alignment with the, you know, the the TV turns off, the computer turns off, and it just kind of powers down. Sure. And that's kind of, you know. What mutual friend and past guest Dave Moslon referred to as the Sopranos ending. Mm, okay. Yeah, I mean, I would imagine that's, I mean, as weird as that is to imagine, I would imagine that's probably what it feels like is just the fade to black credits. <laughs> just uh, David Cross's name 
<laughs> and we're done. Yeah, that um, happens to everybody. He executive produced the entirety of existence, which is a weird thing. I don't yeah. know how he got that contract. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. That's a that's a pretty good deal. He's got a good agent. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I I think that's that's the alignment I'm with. I mean, I think that's you know, and I think that it, it goes along with what I believe is important that people do for someone after they've died, which is like, you know, celebrating them and like trying to feel as much positivity as they can, because they're the ones who have to carry on living their life. Mm -hmm. And I I think that's more why I'm, you know, you know, I'm aligned with the thinking of that. It is just kind of the, uh, (laughs) the Sopranos ending, you know, just kind of the fade to black for the person who does die. If that's me, then that would be what happens to me is that, you know, for the people who are going on living to think that they are somehow trying to impress the spirit of me or impress the spirit of the person that, you know, passed away or that they're, you know, I think there's, you know, a positivity to saying the, that somebody's looking down on, on you after they pass away. And I think that, you know, like, you know, it's, I'm kind of in that belief that like, if you go to the woods and it makes you think of your dad you know, like, is your dad necessarily there or do you just you have really fond memories of your dad that are so ingrained that you, you know, are positive, you know, you, you think positively, even though, you know, he's not around anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, that's because, again, you know, that's the the people that are left is who have to go on living their life, you know, as much as it is. And I think that, you know, it's almost like in this, you know, what, you know, whatever, but it, it sounds like, you know, the most, it'd be like the most selfish thing to do would be to think that after you pass away, that somebody, that people still have to like, try to work for your approval. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it depends how deeply you get your hooks in somebody, right? Yeah. Right. And, and I, and I think that there's something to be said for like, you know, if your dad is a really honorable person that you decide that you are going to carry on in your life being a really honorable person, well, that's that's great, and you should do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think that you know, if your you know if your dad was a dick about certain things, then like you know, you probably you don't you don't need to like worry about impressing him about that shit anymore. You can just mm. move on from it. So yeah, that's kind of, and you can certainly see that in uh, modern political machinations as well. That uh, the stranglehold that the president has on his sons, like emotionally like oh that'll be interesting for them like they're never going to get that approval that they needed like yeah i mean i think that goes a lot with like legacy you know doesn't it i mean i I think that you know you look at legacy and whether that's like names you know i mean people do different things with what you know they decide you know as far as you know they're you know you have a son so your last name is going to carry on you have a daughter maybe it doesn't carry on kind of thing um you know, I mean, I think that kind of goes to, again, legacy, like, you know, how much do you let that weigh you down? And, you know, I don't I don't think there's anything wrong with working towards your parents approval, you know, when they're alive. And because that will undoubtedly make them happy, which is I think that's fine to you know bring that kind of positivity their way mm-hmm. for 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 bringing you up. Um, well, this is but, kind of a driving uh, force behind an id or an ego. Of just right. like, why do you do the things that you do? Well, I, I want to be a better like if you, you're right i mean you look yeah, at it too yeah. much and it starts to short out a little bit right yeah and i think you know again i think it just yeah it goes back to like you know be a good person and like you well, like you brought up like the you know like did you grow up religious i'm like you know no but 
was I not taught as a child that like you shouldn't kill people, steal from steal <laughs> yeah. from people, uh, you know, be an overall good person and use common sense. You know, yeah, I mean, like yeah. those are all things that like I still was able to you know, glean and absorb and, and everything like that. but And pass along to your son. Hey, right, don't exactly. be a dick. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I mean, basically, I think that's kind of like every dad could, you know, close their eyes and, what, like you said, whatever you think happens when you pass away, if it's just, you're just done, well, I think that that's, you know, if you get to have a last thought, <laughs> you know, to be able to think that, you know, your, you know, your kids are, you know, your son's a good person, you know, is uh, would be the fa- most fantastic last thought that you could have. You, you know what I mean? Be, yeah. Like, you know, and I think, and whatever that means, you know, like, and that's, you know, like you brought up, like, you know, in political families with, like, legacies and stuff, I think, you know, I think if you looked in anybody's background, you'd find stuff they weren't super proud of, but at the same time, like, you know, if your kids do a lot of stuff that's, like, you know, really crappy, like, that probably, and then, you know, when you're, if you're, somebody who you know gets sick and so you have a long time to prepare to die well i would imagine that that makes that you know end of time you know pretty not as positive of a experience and you know what's interesting for me to hear from you is that you're a pretty positive person like i generally would think of you as you know very positive person but to hear you put it in blatant terms you do have a very you strive for the benevolent you want to have pleasant like happy good times like not that it's a mindless pursuit but like you just want to like why would you not strive for happiness and goodness and it's just it's nice to hear somebody else articulate that these days right and and you know i wouldn't you know hold myself out on like when you mentioned like goodness have i always done the thing that would make myself and society greater no (laughs) you know like (laughs) uh you know but at the same time um yeah i think that you know if more people approach things in a positive manner you know i mean it's like you look at the stark contrasts of like when certain people consume certain chemicals they act a certain way and you usually have your happy group and you usually have your bummed out group and you know do you either kind of want to be you know i feel like if you're in that happy group no matter what you're doing in your life that that's that's where you want to be the idea that it's something that if you don't at least try to have a positive mindset, you're never going to. Like you have to at some point work towards the happiness, even in the depths of your depression or the depths of, you know, a bad period. I personally have not found success of just letting my submarine go down to the bottom and just stay there. Like I eventually have to crank the handle to bring it back up. Does that make sense at all? Yeah, I mean it it does and I mean I think um I don't know, I think for me, a lot of times when I'm feeling in those ways, I'm like, you know, again, like you talked about, like getting in your own headspace and stuff like that. I think that that's, you know, what I try to remind myself is like Carly's always, uh, you know, giving me crap about like being I'm like a very vigilant person when it comes to like, you know, like safety and stuff like that, like the worst possible thing, you know, outside of it happening to, you know, the person that had happened to uh, with the kid that got thrown off of the balcony at the, oh, at the mall of America. Yeah. Um, is that like, I am somebody who, even though I'm extremely positive am the kind of person who before that occurred would, in, uh, could completely conceive of that happening. You know, that somebody would, 
like that we live in a world where somebody like would just do that. And and I, I think thankfully we live in a world where like the people that would do that are not people that we come into contact with. Yeah. Barely at all. Yeah. Um, but I yeah. think that, you know, cause like, you know, clearly this person is like mentally dispossessed who did this, you know, but it's like, at, but at the same time, you know, it was like, you know, like I'm one of those people who like, you know, I was going to say like, you know, a week after that, the worst thing that somebody could have done to me if I was walking around with my kid at the mall would be to like approach me quickly, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like that. And that sounds crazy to say, you know, like I'm not trying to go around the mall, um, punching out random strangers who just walk (laughs) up to me. But, but at the same time, I think there is like that kind of, you know, there's like that I've always been, you know, like a little bit of like that primal instinct kind of thing. Like, you know, all right, somebody breaks into the house. What am I doing? You know, somebody does this, what am I doing? And, you know, I kind of, you kind of live in a world of fear a little bit with that. Um, you know, uh, but I mean, I think that there's, you know, I usually try to stay on the side of the healthy skepticism about all things, but, um, yeah, I think that we, uh, I definitely will sometimes, you know, kind of go there when it comes to, you know, protecting what's mine and you know my family and things like that so it's hard to face the world with loving arms knowing that there's the potential for chaotic evil that like that that can just happen like uh a friend of my wife's from high school i don't maybe you knew the guy where the car just jumped the curb in florida and hit him Hmm. in front of his two kids like it just like just random bad things could happen oh yeah i mean yeah i i i think that those kind of things, you know, again, not like we need more reminders of like how short life can be for people who like, you know, especially people who like experience like horrific accidents and things like that. It's like, you know, I mean, you know, when you talk about like what happens when you die, I mean, it's almost like, I feel like, you know, people whose life gets cut short. My hope for them would be that life is that I'm wrong. That, Oh yeah. You know, something happens that they get to do something that they get to, live on whatever you believe that they get to live on in somebody else's body, that they get to become an animal, that they get to, you know, look down on everybody from a cloud and watch the rest of their, you know, watch their kids grow up or whatever. Like, you know, when I, you know, when you hear about like, you know, it's like, you know, plane crashes or natural disasters or those kind of things where it's like, you know, like in a, you know, a civil society, like, you know, people who are 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, and into their seventies, like really shouldn't die from like, you know, anything that's, you know, random. Yeah. Like, you know, they really shouldn't, but they do. And like I said, I think that, you know, my belief is that, you know, whatever happens that you just kind of are gone. But at the same time, yeah, for when I think about those kind of situations, it makes me, you know, hope that I'm, you know, again, hope that I'm wrong and that they do get to have a more fruitful experience after that. Cause like you said, like nobody's existence should be cut short by like somebody like, you know, not realizing that there was a, a person on a sidewalk, yeah. you know, like, or, or whatever. The, uh, so do you think in your experience then, do you think that we're an eternal being of any capacity or do you feel like it's a mess of guts and bacon fat in the head that just kind of, there's an electrical chemical signal going on? Or do you think that there's a soul there, something magic? Yeah. I mean, uh, as far as like, you know, having you know like the idea of like a soul i guess um jeez oh that's tough i i mean i i don't because i guess i don't believe that like whatever that is can like 
move out of your physical being, I guess I would have to lean towards like, no, you know, that, 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 you know, what you think is, you know, based on like an ever changing, you know, you know, you're, I mean, I, it's hard to explain what exactly happens in the human mind, you know, probably without having to go to something like that. Yeah. You know, for like most, for most people, uh, you know, obviously for somebody who like, you know, has dissected a brain, you're like, here's exactly why you're, <laughs> yeah. you know, why you think this way. Um, but, you know, at the same time, I think that like, yeah, for most people to understand that is not like it's too complicated, but it's, you know, easier to look at, to like, and, and I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's that I think sometimes people confuse mind and like, I look at your mind and your soul as being the same thing. Like, you know, if you're, you know, if your mind thinks about, you know, doing horrible things to people, like your soul's probably not, a, you know, if you're somebody who believes that people have a soul, your soul is probably not, you know, is the, is doing the exact same thing. So, mm. you know, and I guess that's kind of my, my thought on that, you know, is that, you, is that you're, you know, different is that everybody's got a different mind. They all think differently. Like nobody thinks the same. Doesn't matter if you're a twin. Doesn't matter if you're whatever. Um, but you know, can that go forward after you die? I don't. You know, I don't think that that's possible. Do you think much of that is shaped by Carly's educational background and her perspective? Do you think she's put her mojo on that at all or do you um, think that's something you've kind of arrived at through your own life experience i mean i think that like you know my 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 mom was a physician um you know i'm somebody who you know we we respect experts in my in my family you know we, we're, we're you know we have a healthy dose of skepticism but not when it comes towards you know people of learned and you know like uh you know who are uh, you know, experts in their field, you, you respect that. And I think that, you know, there's an aspect of, you know, there's a scientific explanation for why we do the things we do and think the way we think. And I think that there's, you know, reason to believe that that's, and that, and that that's fine, you know, too, that, um, and I don't think that, you know, the absence of, uh, you know, the idea of a soul or a spirit or anything like that would prevent one or preclude one from, you know, believing in a higher power or something like that. I think that, you know, there's something to be said for, okay, if you believe in a higher power, you believe that your, you know, insides, your soul are somehow connected to that being, you know, that celestial being or whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't think that that necessarily has to be the case for you to believe that that being exists or that that's a thing that, you know, is out there. I think that that maybe that's, you know, probably comes more from people who've religions where, you know, that were like actually, you know, like people, you know, that were, you know, like, I think that's maybe why Christians with, you know, Jesus, cause Jesus was a real, you know, was a real dude. I'm not, and I, you know, Muhammad was a real person and, you know, et cetera. But like, you know, that they, there were these influential philosopher type people that were yeah, and putting that, these ideas out. Well, right. And that like the existence of this person who by all accounts was a really great dude, and, you know, and, and had a lot of, you know, things to pass on that everybody should do, um, you know, as, you know, basic lessons for being a positive kind, you know, contributor to whatever society you're in. You know, I, I think that that's fine without that person being a god necessarily you yeah, know and you I mean? just have like, somebody who seems like a pretty cool guy that like i want to be more like that guy right and i and i think that that does go to you know the end that like you know if 
that person's not eternal, then none of us are. So like, you know, there's a little bit of a, you know, that's kind of a bummer. Um, (laughs) You know, you know what I mean? So I I understand why it's important, you know, in Christianity that, you know, Jesus wasn't just a dude, you know, that he, you know, lived on much past his existence on the earth, you know? And I think that, um, you know, I can appreciate that, but I think that, you know, to imagine that necessarily, like, you know, like you said, whether there's some magic happening there that, you know, and I, I mean, I think that if there was, if there was some magic happening there, like, you know, why can't it be like just magic that makes you be a good, you know, be a good person or whatnot, not necessarily something that's connected to, you know, what you pray to. Yeah. You know, action versus like ideology. Right. Exactly. And yeah. Do you feel like, any of this weighs on you in a longer term sense of like what could potentially happen like you talked about your vigilance towards random bad things happening to these kind of existential questions does this keep you up at all or is it kind of a like oh if i can't make a if i can't influence the outcome what good does it do to worry about it like does this well yeah i uh my, my wife oftentimes has to remind me of that that uh if i can't impact the outcome i should probably let that go and i i would say that that's you know i try to be better at that um because yeah it's like you know you can i, I try not to let in, in general the the world's problems be something that keeps me up at night um being that that's not my job um, yeah is to totally manage the world's problems <laughs> uh thankfully uh, for the world it, and for me um but do you how do you turn that off i uh, i mean i i ask selfishly because no, like, yeah no i i i mean i don't know i think that you know you good tv yeah, I mean that. You know, I, yeah, immerse yourself in entertainment and live vicariously through that. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I think that you, you know, and, and there's, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm definitely somebody who has anxiety, so I could let, you know, what I perceive to be, a, you know, a threat or something, uh, you know, like you said, like keep me up at night. I, I guess I try to have as like conscious of a choice as I can um, to not let that happen and you know not make it be something that i have to square before i go to sleep every night you know with myself yeah um but that you know it's something that you know if i need to understand something more or you know actually take action to do something you know then i can do it like you said i can impact the outcome if it's something that i can't i think you you have to try to not not let it bother you and things like that can I ask you at all about your dad? Yeah. How old were you when he passed away? Uh, I was, let's see, 2005. So let me do some math quick. You can cut that out. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, so that would have been, tw- you been 20, 21? No. Uh, 22? 22. 22. Yeah, so I was, yeah, I was 22 when, when my dad passed away. Um, and he passed away from a heart attack. So you, you know, when somebody goes like that, you know, you don't get notice, you know, you don't really, you know, you, you don't plan for it. Um, I was, I saw him that day. So, you know, I, and he wasn't sick or, you know, didn't look gray or didn't look odd to me. Um, yeah. so that's, you know, definitely the suddenness of, of that is, uh, is something that, 
you know, bums me out a little bit. But at the same time, I always look at it as, you know, one of the greatest gifts that like I just happened to be getting something done on my car that day in the cities. So I had to drive down from college and like spent the day with him and had lunch so that like, you know, he could, I had to do some stuff in the cities while my car was getting worked on. So he gave me a ride around town and blah, blah, blah. So That's crazy. you just got yeah. the most normal day with impossible. Yeah. Yeah, I did. And, and, you know, I was like, you know, so that was, you know, I always look back on that as being, you know, really beneficial. So, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, that was, it's kind of like one of the best little last gifts you can get is just that I randomly kind of, we had that plan. So with moving through that experience of losing him so unexpectedly, how, if at all, did you handle that? Did you, were you able to, to face it head on or was it just kind of a holy shit, whatever happens, I'm just going to one step forward. And I mean, that's a formative age for something like that to happen. You're kind of in the crux of coming into manhood and. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that I, you know, initially I, I think I handled it as well as I could. I have a really supportive family. You know, my, my dad had sisters that were extremely supportive and helping, you know, get things planned. My mom, who, even though they were not married anymore, was extremely helpful in, you know, getting, you know, helping me get through that. And, and, you know, again, you know, she, they were still friends, you know, and, and, you know, he was still my dad. So, um, you know, I was, I had a lot of, you know, great support, you know, fantastic friends who, you know, were extremely, you know, united in their support, you know, for me. And, and that was, you know, really, you know, beneficial to have. And, you know, my, my really close friends, like, you know, knew how important he was to me. So, you know, they, you know, were really able to, to help me through that. I think though that, you know, and I know that, you know, I let it impact me, you know, after the initial blow that kind of everybody goes through, like when you're going to funerals and going through their stuff and stuff like that, like mm -hmm. after those emotions and those activities that go around, when somebody passes away, you know, in our society, like, you know, we don't, you know, in our society, we don't bury the person on the, on the same day they die, you know, and then like put them on a raft and light it on fire. You know what I mean? Like, it's, you know, like there's a we, process yeah, there's a process and a lot of activities and like, you know, all, all kinds of stuff. And I think once that subsided, I think that I definitely, you know, through my own actions or through inaction of you know, wanting to talk more about it and everything, I, you know, allowed it to impact me for a longer period of time than I would, would have liked it to, you know, I mean, I, th I think as opposed to now where, you know, I, I, it's a, it's a thing that happened in my life that, you know, is something that occurred, but I don't, I try not to let it impact me in a negative way on a daily basis. If anything, you know, the, you know, vast, you know, tool chest of knowledge that he passed on to me just about life and, you know, lessons that I learned about being a good dad and lessons that I learned from about things that like I will never, you know, do with my son or, it's you know, information. Or it's things not like that. Oh yeah, exactly. So it's, um, yeah, I think that there's, you know, aspects of it where I, you know, now am able to utilize the positive stuff and really, you know, not that you just kind of like bury it deep, but you just like, why would I think about the negative stuff when like, you know, unless it's something that I want to do differently, like I said, you know, something that maybe, you know, where he took a left as a parent, I probably would want to take a right kind of yeah. thing. Um, you know, unless it's something like that, I, I really don't think about it, but I think I, I did let the, 
you know, negative aspects of, of it, you know, kind of consume the next couple of years of my life and didn't, um, you know, wasn't able to like find a ton of like immediate direction. And, you know, and he was like, you know, pretty, my, you know, my mom was always a really good compass, um, for those kind of things. But I think that, you know, that wasn't what, like, that wasn't the role that I needed her to play at that time. And I didn't, you know, so I didn't lean on her for that. And, you know, I think a lot of, you know, where I've had, you know, success with, you know, managing that loss has come from, you know, finding a partner that I really, you know, enjoy being with and, and that, you know, brings me well, a ton of joy and that, you know, again, like, you know, that somebody who respects like, you know, family legacy and that, you know, who, where you came from is who you are and things like that. And I think that, you know, we're able to, you know, talk positively when I, you know, see my dad, sisters, my aunts were able to, you know, talk positively and joke about the things that were ridiculous that my dad did and stuff like that. And, and, you know, remember the positive things and kind of go on from there. So, I mean, he would have been 70 this week. So, yeah. So, I mean, and, and my, you know, aunt was visiting us the other day and she said, you know, can you even picture him being like a 70 year old man? And I'm like, no, I can't, I can't. Uh, so it's, uh, you know, not in a bad way. Not like I can't picture it because he's not around. That's like clearly why I can't picture it because he's not physically here, but more of, you know, I I just, yeah, I couldn't picture my dad being 70 years old. And I think that's okay too. Like, you know, it's, you know, my dad, you know, passed away when he was that age. That's like kind of what age he'll always be to me kind of thing. And maybe a little bit of like, you know, remembering him when he was younger, when I was younger, but you know, that will always, you know, and you know, he was, you know, an imposing, you know, guy, you know, you know, physically. And like, you know, if, you know, if he needed to, you know, rail into somebody and stuff like that. A few of my friends had experiences with him at like, you know, restaurants and stuff where like, you did not want to be a server who did not oh, do something, which is like so embarrassing. Cause I'm like, you know, I, I feel like I'm beloved in the service industry, but, um, yeah, you make friends but I, you go, uh, but at the same time, I, you know, he was like the most embarrassing guy to be at a restaurant with. Cause he had very high expectations for, you know, service. And it was like, you know, the Applebee's, you know, in Knollwood mall, you know, better have the same level of service as the poem in New York. <laughs> and it's like, you know, his expectations, you know, very oftentimes weren't met and that would be met with like, you know, some kind of, you know, bummer stuff. But, you know, I, I think that's, you know, what I try to remember too, is that like, you know, my dad had a temper. I come by that naturally. I need to be aware of that and, you know, not let that consume me, you know, in situations and, you know, I'm saying that you're a larger than life person, and I don't know. I'd be hard pressed to find a real concrete example of you losing your cool in the last. I mean, yeah, it's been a while. I mean, I, 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 try, I, I you know, there, you know, there. Back in the day, I, you know, used to, you know, get in, you know, scrap a little bit, you know, I'm if, sure you if could somebody, be a back you know, oh yeah. I mean, I, you know, you know, there was. 20-year-old There was a time. 20-year-old Austin was, you know, not afraid to, you know, mouth off to somebody and then get punched in the face. <laughs> so, I mean, I, you know, I, I think that I learn a little bit about, you know, I think a lot of it comes from, you know, when you're, when you're out now and you see people doing behaviors that you did before and it annoys you now, then you're like, 
all right, I probably shouldn't have done that. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, but but you're uh, unique, and that's that's not a lot of people's instinctive reaction. That's unique to you. That's what makes you good. Is that you see the the humanity of ah, people probably didn't like that when I did that. You know. <laughs> yeah, and I I mean I've got some you know example. Yeah, I mean when you talk about you know like. I, like, I don't have a lot of those big moments in life where I'm like, man, I really wish I would have done that differently. But I have a bunch of small ones where I'm like, you know, I wish I wouldn't have said that to that guy because, <laughs> yeah, you know, that wasn't ideal. I'd like to apologize for it, Exactly. You know, and, and it's uh, I think that some of that stuff is like if you did apologize to that person now, they'd be like, dude, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, so but at the same time, it's weird that those are the things that sometimes I remember. I'm like, God, I wish I would have been like, you know, a little nicer to this person. I wish I would have said something a little differently or whatever um you know it's like i've always considered myself to be a nice person but you know it's like you know it, we you know i'm in a uh you know social group that likes to you know bust balls and you know like you know that's kind of <laughs> like that's part of our humor and you know like it's all comes out of love but like you know you have to have a, a thicker skin and you know it's uh you, but i have to I, I remember that sometimes like you know if i'm in a you know a business setting etc you know not everybody you know, guns on everybody all the time. Yeah, <laughs> so you it's have like, a sniper you gotta, shot or yeah. a rapid fire sniper with that stuff. Yeah, you know, and I have to, you know, remember I have to be able to take it as well as I can dish it. I think my, you know, my really good friends and my and my wife would probably both say that, you know, sometimes I can't take it as well as I can dish it. So that's something that, you know, that'll be a growth area for me for probably the rest of my life. But again, uh, but, you're you know, willing it's, to work on that. You're talking yeah. about growth for the rest of your life. These are good, healthy things. This is endearing. Yeah, I guess. When you were dealing with the white hot aftermath of your dad passing, being at the funeral and dealing with everything, um, was there stuff you wish people would stop saying? Like, just stop giving me the bullshit line about whatever. Like, you know, it was like just the other day, I was like going through a box of his stuff and like, because we're trying to do like a little memento shelf in my son's room. And, you know, like, you know, it's boring. like I found a couple of his, you know, like awards for stuff that, you know, for being, you know, he's a an ex-felon. You know, I found an award in his stuff from the, you know, Bureau of Criminal Apprehension for, you know, what he did for the, you know, predatory offender program in Minnesota. And Whoa. like, you know, uh, he was, you know, one of the, when Megan's law became law, he was the first person to do the community notification meetings when they were getting ready to move, you know, level three sex offenders back into the community. And because what they said about the law is that, you know, if people are going to respect it, you know, they have to honor it. They can't go burn this person's house down right when they find out where he lives. Oh, right, yeah. You know, th then you'll lose the law because yeah. it will be considered, you know, violating somebody's, but that, you know, community notification works. It's proven to work. It's proven that, you know, when people are more aware that they can keep their family safer. Yeah. And, you know, so he traveled around, um, I mean, I, th I know for a better part of a year doing just about every one that he could physically do with his schedule every one of those original meetings in all these communities across Minnesota. And you can imagine you go to some really small towns in Minnesota and you get ready to tell somebody that, you know, a level three sex offenders moving back into their community. Cause you know, oftentimes a lot of these guys go back to live with mom and, and things like that. Those are the situations they're in. Um, but yeah, he had to go around and, you know, catch that barrage of, I mean, he was the perfect man for the job because he wasn't going to like let anybody tell him that they were going to change it. You know, his his stance at all of those meetings was always a hard one to start with. 
which was, you know, this person is moving back into your community. What you do about it from here will be what's important. You know, and letting yeah. them know that, like, there's nothing you're going to do to stop this from happening because people, like, you know, I think one of the things that he was, like, his quote that he would use is he's like, people have been getting out of jails and dungeons for thousands of years. The only difference is now we're going to know where that person lives. And you can maybe be safer about not hiring them as a babysitter and, yeah. and, and things of that. Okay. You know, as somebody who, you know, he did felony uh, drug time for cocaine in, okay. in the 1980s. So that's right, it that's was, right. um, you know, for him to, you know, he dedicated his life to, you know, making the world a safer and better place after he got out of jail. Yeah. And I think that, or out of prison, um, and I think that, you know, that went towards, you know, I don't think that my dad believed that a lot of these folks would be come reputable members of society i think he knew that a lot of them wouldn't like a lot of them would stumble and that unfortunately but like he said doesn't mean they don't have rights well not that and but also though too you know those meetings are there for the benefit of the community because again like he said it's not like once they started doing the meetings that that was the first people to ever get out of prison yeah people have been getting you know if this was 1850 that would just like be a guy who would get like let out and then he would like, I don't know, go live in the wild west and yeah, shoot people up and, 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 then and, commit, knows. and commit, you know, and be an arch criminal for the rest of his life mm-hmm. until he got captured or killed, you know? And it's like, you know, now, you know, like that, you know, that person that's like going back to live in their, you know, small town or their large city with their parents or their friends or whoever, you know, is willing to have them live with them when they, you know, move out of a halfway house or something, you know, that's been happening forever without anybody knowing about it. So, but yeah, without going down a total rabbit hole about like what my, yeah, what his job was. Um, and that was, you know, his, you know, thing that he was, you know, known for, you know, the most, as far as like a legacy when people, you know, came to his funeral and, and things like that. And like, you're talking about like that kind of the first instance after, um, you know, he passed away. I think that that was, you know, it, filled me with a lot of pride i know like you know being that you know he was respected in that sense and that you know there's no there is no two bones about it that by doing you know what he did you know for the department of corrections that he made minnesota a safer place for people to live in and that's a pretty like big thought and i'm not trying to like you know toot his horn because according to my belief structure that i talked about earlier he's not like looking down on me or anything but i mean if he was i I would you know be happy to say that that you know like and to know that you know i think gave me a lot of peace um you know and i think that you know and he wasn't always you know it's like he he wasn't always like the happiest guy and he you know it was an emotional guy and could you know get down in the dumps and i think i try to you know, but also had like, you know, really high highs and, you know, stuff like that too. So I think that I try to remind that of myself that like, you know, you can have those good aspects, but like maybe not, you know, you don't have to ride the roller coaster as hard as he did, you know, and like, you know, and it's like, you know, I, I think that was the, also like the, you know, biggest thing for, or biggest shock for me as I get older is, you know, I'm now past the age where, you know, double my age is how old he was when he passed away. So it's like, you know, if I, you know, it's like, you know, I, I have to remind myself of that for whether it's, you know, how I take care of myself or what I do in my life, you know, as far as, you know, I try to avoid, 
you know, skydiving and bull riding and, you know, really <laughs> dangerous stuff. But, you know, it's, I have to have an awareness that, you know, if I, like, if I were to be told right now that I'm only going to live as long as my dad, then I have exactly 20 years left on this earth, you know? And so it's like, that would be, you know, if somebody told me today that, you know, that's as long as you're like, that everybody only lives as long as their dad lives. Yep. You know, if that was the rule. Yeah. And that you just had to like really hope that your dad lived to be into his eighties <laughs> or nineties so that you would too, then, you know, then I've got 20 years left. So, you know, there's kind of a weird, you know, pressure with that having just had a son and everything too. It's like, I'm constantly thinking about like, okay, not constantly, but like, you know, just, you think about it, you're like, okay, if that happened, you know, what would I see and what would I miss, you know? And like, what would I experience and like, what would I miss, you know? And so I think that, you know, you talk about like the heaviness and like the permanence of death. I think that that, you know, is more of a driving force towards being a good person and, you know, trying to do good things while you're on, you know, this planet or while you're, while you're, you know, everything's still working yeah. that, you know, is that like, that's kind of more of the drive, you know, at least my kind of driving force is like, you think about, you know, that like, all right, well, where would I, you know, yeah, like, again, what were, what would be the things that I would see? You know, it's like, what did my dad see? He saw, you know, the majority of things, some really formative things, you know, high school graduations and, you know, prom and blah, 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 blah. But, you know, and football games and stuff like that. But then there's an entire, you know, he's, he never met my wife, you yeah. know, and he'll never, you know, meet my son, you know, and it's like, you know, and, and there's, you know, aspects of that, two of them. So like the two most important people yeah. in my life, he doesn't even know. So like, you know, that's, you kind of have to consider that too, is, you know, that's kind of the heaviness of not being around anymore. Do you think that's where some of the positivity comes from that you want to make this as pleasant and peaceful and happy for people as you can? Yeah. I, I, I think that, I mean, I, I think there's definitely times where, you know, you know, there's days where I wake up and, you know, what I'm like, you know, what I plan on doing that day. Like, you know, if I get up and my intention is to, you know, like we're going on vacation or something, you know, that, that is very selfishly me trying to bring as much positivity as I can into my own world. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that, yeah, I mean, in general, I think it's what leads to my, you know, desire to, you know, have a positive impact on, you know, people when I meet them and, you know. I think, uh, I think one of my, you know, one of my friends has made a joke before, like, you know, it was, this is more in like, this is more like in college Austin, but it was like, you know, everybody doesn't really like him when they first meet him and then they like him after they hung out with him a little more. <laughs> um, so it's like, you know, I think I've, I've, I want to try to, uh, do a little better with that piece, you know, and make, and I think try to have that. You know, and I'm not somebody who thinks that, you know, it's like every person that I impact, I have to, you know, every person that I have in every retail transaction, I have to, you know, hit with my magic arrow. But, you know, it's just like, I think that I, you know, I think it does drive a, you know, again, it's like, you know, if you're somebody who, you know, suffers a cardiac arrest or has an accident happen or whatever, it's like, you know, people will very quickly be talking about what kind of person you were, whether you like it or not, you know, and it's like, you know, whereas like, you know, if you're somebody who, you know, either way, it's, it sucks either way. But, you know, if you're somebody who, you know, unfortunately gets sick or something like that, there's might be a lot more time for you to square issues that you had with people and, 
you know, tie up loose ends, as they say, and things like that. And I think yeah. there's like, you know, I think that that, you know, it's not like I, I think that I'm going to, you know, that how I'm going to die will be a hang gliding accident where you just, you know, it happens immediately. You know, it's like, but, you know, I think that, you know, if you, you know, I think there is a little bit of that, like, you know, live every day like it's your last piece that I that I do, you know, you know, YOLO. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're Not living an authentic, that's something that I talk about with with a lot of guests on this program. If you're living an authentic life, you don't have a lot to be regretful of. You don't have to say mm-hmm. I'm sorry as much. You don't have to lie and cover your ass as much. You know? Yeah, I mean, and I, yeah, I think that you, you know, you're if you're comfortable with where you're at, it's easier to to do that too. And I, I don't have any, you know, I wouldn't call it like a like a guilt, but like you know, I'm very aware of like, you know my situation being more favorable than other human being situations are. Yeah. And I don't just mean like, you know, if you watch something on the news and you see people living in huts, like clearly your situation is better than them. I mean, like even people like in our own country, it's like, you know, you, um, it was like just the other day they were, I can't remember if it was like school bus drivers or city bus drivers or something. They were talking about recruiting yeah. and, you know, they talked about like what they were offering per hour. And I was you know in my head, you know, cause I had never really, like, it's been a while since I've broken down what I make per hour, yeah. you know, not being like an, not in, you know, in my position, you know, uh, you know, I'm grateful that, you know, I'm able to be a salaried employee at my company, but you know, that when I broke it down, I was like, you know, whoa, like I, that sounded like a lot of money. And when I broke it down for like how many hours you'd be working and what you'd get paid, you know, it didn't sound like a livable wage to me, mm. you know? And so I think that, you know, uh, that, you know, reminder that it's like, you know, people that we come into contact with every day, you know, there's people who are, you know, doing way better and there's people who are doing like way, way worse. Yeah. And that like, you know, everybody, you know, in my mind should be on that even plane of like, you know, everybody should, you know, <laughs> Not necessarily like everybody should get a smile, but everybody should like, you know, like every, you know, and everybody, sh- you know, should be treated with respect. And, you know, like, you know, people are most people are just like really trying their best. And like, you know, I, I think that that's, you know, what gives me a lot of like hope, too, is that like, you know, after doing that and like kind of doing that math in my head um, on like the bus driver thing, I was like, you know, but thankfully there's people who do that. Yeah. And and need to do it. Yeah. But like, thankfully, there is like otherwise people don't get to, otherwise like these other people don't get go don't get to work in this whole, you know, economic ecosystem thing doesn't happen. And like, you know, but all that is because of people. And I think that that, you know, is still something that's unique. And that's why it's important for me to like, you know, kind of have those little impacts and have people have a positive, you know, when they walk, you know, if they walk away, hopefully they walk away that they had a positive experience being around me yeah. that, you know, it's because like, you know, the world is still, you know, driven by people at this point, you know, for the most part, you know, those personal interactions. And I think that's, that's definitely a contributor to it. Well, I can't thank you enough for sharing all this stuff, man. This has been yeah. really, really awesome to get all this perspective because it's just fun to, uh, you know, anybody that knows you in real life outside of this is kind of like, well, so how's it going to go with Austin? Like, well, I'm going to have a lot of coffee and just let him go. Like, I'm just going to let you know. And <laughs> yeah, you were no, I mean, you're very, you've got a, you've got a nice path that you walk mentally doing this. Like, it's, I was about to say, I, I jump around a lot. So, you no, know. no, this has been all very, 
very good to hear, and it's reaffirming to know this about you as well. So I can't okay. thank you enough for being open and sharing this yeah. stuff, man. It's really cool. Of course, man. Yeah. Uh, anything before we wrap up, anything you want to just tell the audience of like, you know, read this book or just be mindful or like don't watch this episode of Game of Thrones? Like... <laughs> um, I, I mean, I, I mean, I, I think that the biggest thing that I, you know, would want somebody to take away from, you know, whether listening to this or, you know, listening to anything that's about, you know, life, et cetera, is just, you know, do remember that, you know, there's for the most, you know, most people, you know, will get to say goodbyes and do all those kind of things. But, you know, a lot of people won't either. And I think that it's just remember to, you know, hug your, you know, hug your spouse, kiss your spouse, you know, be nice to your kids you know, not like, you know, cause you never know if, you know, death's around the corner or whatever, but you really don't. And like, yeah. and I think that that would be the, the biggest thing I would tell them is just, you know, like, you know, you know, obviously like we all get, we all get tired. We all get pissed off. Like you're not always going to be your best self. Like sometimes you're going to give, sometimes you're going to give people your worst self, but like for the most part, try to give them your best self. And I think that's the, you know, that's the biggest key. And people will remember you fondly in that case too so very cool austin thank you so much for doing this man yeah happy to do it man All right. thanks